Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, welcome back and happy birthday. Thank you. I am back. Uh, it was my birthday. Uh, I, I was trying to remember before we recorded, like, was I on last week? Like, I know, nope. like, I was not. Yes. <laughs> I fucked up the recording last week. You were not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you know what? It was... Uh, I, I, so I did edit it. Usually I'll listen to an episode, the whole thing before I come back on just to make sure the guest hasn't like wildly made inappropriate comments about me. While I'm gone. <laughs> um, so for all I know, it's a good policy. It's a pretty good policy. You just want to know who, if you have to throw someone under the bus when you get back in, but uh, no, it, it wasn't, it was all lovely. It was all great. And I think the recording mishap you had, uh, it was, it was, it was easy to edit out. I just, but it was fine. It worked out. But I want to know, and I'm sure the listeners do. I mean, maybe they maybe they want to know. Like, what was that moment that was lost if you had to, like, cliff note oh it? <laughs> okay, so uh, basically the discussion between Bo and I, we were talking about story and video games and what kind of pulls you in and stuff. And the topic of Mass Effect came up. And uh, that was because I was talking about how great it was to have Aloy as a protagonist who is just a very well-written, strong, powerful female character, which is a lot better, I think, than just um, taking an avatar and saying, you know, like, this character can be male or female. And, you know, you can just write a lot more nuance into a character uh, when you have, like, one specific character in mind. And so I had been talking about how, like, it was better than just, you know, putting the Fem Shep mask on and then we kind of went off on a Mass Effect tangent about you know Fem Shep and and how she's like the only real shepherd and uh that led to who we decided to romance <laughs> and so we got an amazing story from Bo about how he romanced Garrus and then I told my story about Thane uh Bo called it a pity fuck and then we talked for oh I don't know a minute or two about <laughs> <laughs> interspecies mating oh. and it was absolute gold and then i was trying to pull it back and get us onto elden ring and i looked over and i said i can't believe we're and i was gonna say how far into the episode we were and i was gonna say about 20 minutes in and we haven't even really gotten into elden ring yet and i looked over and my counter was at like 13 minutes and i was like no <laughs> So yeah, you guys missed out on uh, what Bo thinks that Garrus's wiener looks like. I'm so sorry that I deprived you of that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know what? Um, you guys can tweet at him and ask him at Bo Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, and he'll probably put it on Twitter. He might. Oh yes, yeah. he has no filter. No, he he'll he'll do it. And you know what we'll do is we'll we'll write in the notes here. Like next time Bo's on, talk about Garrus's penis. Um, nailed it it was that it right that was it that was the big cliffhanger yeah that, that, was, okay. yeah that was the thing it was that whole conversation about story in mass effect 3 and the romance options because that's one thing i can say now that i am i am one story quest away from finishing horizon forbidden west and there's no romance in forbidden west i keep talking to one person hoping that if i talk to him enough maybe there will be some sparks <laughs> but yeah no there's no romance in horizon well you know although yeah. uh at the beginning of the game is it varl he uh like he, he he seems like you guys are gonna be best buds and then you get knocked out for like a couple hours and then he's 
he he's like boyfriend and girlfriend with the the lady he just met from the Otaras, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then and I mean like there's that whole thing with the Sun King. I think we talked about in yep. our first impressions of uh Forbidden West where the Sun King's like, huh? huh? And you're like, uh, I gotta go save the world. Bye. <laughs> I'll be back. Maybe, probably not. Like, she, yeah, she, and I, and now. yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to like spoil stuff because I know you're nowhere near as far as me. So I don't want to talk too much about characters that I wish I could romance. But I will say, mine is a is a. You know what? I can't even say that necessarily because I don't know how far you are and I don't know how far everybody else is. But uh, yeah, I feel like I just man, Ryan, I need a fucking spoiler cast. God damn it! I need to talk about this game. No one is as far as me. It's making me very sad. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but catch up already. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, man, I, I, every time I sit down to play this game, my mind immediately starts freaking out because it's like, this game's huge. I'm never going to finish it. I'm never going to know what happens in this game. Uh, like, I, it's it's it feels immense, not to the point of like Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where you feel the walls coming in around you and you're like starting to <laughs> hyperventilate because it's that big and you don't have that amount of time to play. Um, but and and you care. And I think that's why, like, it's a, it, it, it hurts to know that you're not going to be able to, to experience it all. Um, but uh, yeah, Horizon Forbidden West, I'm, I don't like I, I, I want it to last <laughs> as long as it needs to like. As long as I can make it last, because it was it's an expensive game. Waiting a long time for this. It's great to have something that just really screams on the PS5. And there's you know some some patches that still need to come that that uh, I know Gorilla is working on. So again, I don't necessarily want to rush through it. I want to see them fix some of the. I, I think some of the fixes they've already put in have been have been well received. Um, but yeah, I just uh, you know for everyone at home, it's not a spoiler. It's it, it'll be. Basically, I'll say it and you'll know exactly where I am. I just got uh, Ether, this mm-hmm. subordinate uh, program or whatever. And uh, you know what? I just haven't had a lot of time to play. Like, I literally got them. And he didn't, and it wasn't like, um, uh, not Gaia. Gaia didn't put up a fight. It was the other dude. I did a cauldron. He was really angry. It was part of Hephaestus. the... Yeah, Hephaestus. He was super angry and he kind of uploaded himself to the cloud and he's like, ah, get me now. And I'm like, shit, should have unplugged the router. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Hephaestus is still, you know, running around in the cloud. Uh, but uh, Ether, just you put a little canister into a... Into a like, you... You get to this point in the game where it's like you gotta you gotta get all these things, uh, all these programs, bring them back. Gaia will you know absorb them. You turn them back to their original code. <laughs> you're like you're like this won't be a spoiler, but here's blah. It's not it, the game's been out long enough where I think like this is the I think first. If you're if you're playing it, then yeah, the, I'll put something in probably, the notes. I think okay, good because I was gonna say Ryan, I think that you are probably a good measure for the back end of players that are playing a launch copy. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to call you slow, but no, it's fine. I look like I, I think it's safe to say that wherever you are, you're not going to spoil anyone who's currently playing. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, and, and for those who I, I think for those who aren't playing, you're likely have already skipped to the next segment, which is fine. That's why we put them in the, the them in the notes. Um, our first conversation was, I think, for those that are interested in playing or just want to know more about the game. 
like even me, I've been skipping spoiler casts or conversations where they say, well, there might be spoilers. And then like, just because I just, I will, I don't want to, I don't want to be spoiled. I want to enjoy it myself. But I think like there are points in the game that are like, Hey, things happen related to saving the world. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that that's kind of like, you can boil almost any video game down to that. Right. Like, (laughs) right. And I'm not trying to be, um, you know, flippant. I'm just, I'm just basically saying like, the start of the game isn't what it appears, but then eventually it becomes, at least for me, uh, you're further ahead. So you can say like, well, that's not all of what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, that that's fair. But I think where I'm at right now is like you're, you reboot Gaia. You're trying to get Gaia, the program, you, you're trying to find a backup and you find a really shitty backup because like they didn't have backup uh, processes or whatever. You know, they, they didn't uh, they didn't do their one, two, three copy. Um, so you have to, like, kind of reboot Gaia with all these uh, these programs that have been scattered, all these other AIs. So I got Ether. Yeah. So basically, basically what happened was when Gaia destroyed herself in the first game, mm-hmm. all of her sub functions basically like escaped escaped yeah retreated um took the network to find a a place to basically store themselves and then because they're ai they just kind of like evolved within their server basically and Mm -hmm. and kind of took over the different um spots so you uh there you couldn't find a complete backup of gaia which is what you were looking for with varl at the beginning because a backup of gaia didn't exist but then you go to a training facility for Hades, which was basically supposed to um, like be able to overthrow or overpower Gaia, basically, that because it was the kill switch, right? So um, they had spare copies of just just her, but not all her subfunctions that they were using to like practice on, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's why you kind of have to rebuild her because there aren't any copies of the subordinate functions. That's like what was the problem with Apollo in the first game as well, and why, um, like when that was erased by Ted Farrow, um, you basically, as part of the, like the, the human race wasn't able to re-educate itself. That's why you have tribal humans instead of like super advanced humans. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as you're like the start where I'm at, where you're, you get basically three sub quests and there are, they are leveled, um, or three main quests and you can, you can do any one in any order you want, but uh, you do have, they are leveled and they are very much like do this one, then do this one, then do this one. And Ether is the first one. And again, this is a video game. Okay, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the order you were supposed to do them in. Okay, so Ether's the first one. Yeah. Okay, I know where you are now. So that's that's the one that is uh, like takes you deep into Tanakh territory. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you, in typical video game fashion, you get to the you, you're able to walk right up to the place where Ether is, but then they all say like. No, but you can't have it. You can't touch it. <laughs> you must it. do something for me first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Aloy, to her credit, is like, hell no. Let me into the basement to get this AI, and I'm gonna save the world. Like I'm, I don't need to I be have dealing bigger with bigger things to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, she doesn't. She relents pretty quick because he basically says, "Well, you'll have to fight me." And obviously, she's like, "Well, I know that you're not." someone i i should kill so yeah let's just do this and it does lead to a very you know interesting and, and fascinating adventure as you 
work your way through that area and, and, and it comes full circle. And I think where I'm at right now is I'm doing some um, side quests that have opened up. So I've got like, you know, this thing I need to save the world in my back pocket. I, I should probably take it back to home base and upload it and make sure it's secure. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk about that for a second because okay. uh, you can do exactly what you're doing right now, Ryan, is basically ignore like the main quest, just carry this AI around in your pocket and go do a whole bunch of other stuff. But it made me like actually nervous. Like nothing bad's going to happen to you. It's just like every other quest in the game. But I'm like, no, I need to get this out of my pocket because what if I slip and fall and crack this glass case thing? Like, <laughs> it's yeah. like a little glass canister. You can see the AI all swirling around inside it for some reason. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is so fragile. Who thought this was a good way to carry shit? <laughs> so yeah, it made me like actually like nervous and like like physically like made my hands sweaty and stuff. I'm like, I need to just get this back and then I can go side quest, but I need to get this out of my pocket. This is so I like went to a campfire and fast traveled to the base, dropped it off and went, okay, <laughs> like it's yeah. off my back now. <laughs> and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming when you bring back the, yeah, uh, I know that when you first explore this base that you get, um, it does have like functions that are shut down because you're oh, mm -hmm. not powerful enough. So if I go back and, and feed her. Yeah. So things start opening up like as you add sub functions, then parts of the base start to activate and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I should go back and I met and, I, you know, I thought, oh, I'll do these side quests. And then before we record, I'll make sure to jump back in and, and, and bring Ether back and, and see how it goes. But um, yeah, it's just it's been a busy. Uh, well, I guess it's been a busy couple of weeks and mm -hmm. I, I'm still very much enjoying the game. Um, there is a thread in the gamers in discord where people are discussing horizon, um, as we work our way through it, people are being very good about tagging their spoilers, which is awesome. I always appreciate that. Cause as you said, I am woefully behind. I've kind of, um, been in that thread and n not really talking about story stuff so much, but just like, I haven't been tagging spoilers on like mechanics. Like if someone's like, Hey, hmm. how does this work? Then I haven't bothered. I'm just like, okay do this thing and do that thing. And this is how that works and whatever. Um, mostly it's actually, it's a lot of settings and that's something that we haven't really talked about too much in forbidden West, but like even the, and it's actually kind of funny given all of the discourse around Elden ring and difficulty settings and everything else right now, but forbidden West difficulty is so tunable. Like they have presets from like story, easy, normal, hard, very hard. I think although they might have called it like legendary or something like that, um, and then custom. And so you can choose a preset and then like tweak a preset because you can say things like, okay, I want all of the like very hard level like health and damage coming out of the machines, but I'm really shit at aiming, so I do want help with auto aim. And that doesn't like change your overall difficulty. It's just like you can pick and choose the little things that you want to make he easier or harder. There's a lot of exploration settings in there too. So you can say like, I want a path to light up or, you know, I just want to know the direction on my compass where my next quest objective is, which is the one I choose. I think it's explorer versus guided. Um, and yeah, like it just, there's just so, 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 so many options in terms of like how much information the game gives you, how much of the UI you can hide and, you know, you can really tweak it way beyond just straight up, you know, how much damage are these machines doing and how much health do they have compared to me? So 
I think um, there's just, there's so many settings in the game that if you accidentally change something, it's almost like there's too many things to be able to go back and find. And the one thing that's missing that I know you guys are talking about is the stealth icon. You don't know when you're hidden anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, I miss it. I know it came up in the Discord and it's one of those things where it's like, it was just a handy tool and uh, it was. And I think it would have helped a lot um, in particular in the underwater areas. So I don't really think saying there's underwater areas is too much of a spoiler because I mean, it was in the trailer. It was in the reveal trailer, um, Aloy swimming around and stuff. And like to go stealth underwater, you basically have to like swim through seaweed. But it's a lot less um, defined than those red long grass patches like you can pretty easily tell when you're in a grass patch versus not in a grass patch and you don't kind of get that with seaweed um it's uh, the obviously the seaweed leaves are a lot bigger than the blades of grass and so they and they move really nicely with the current and stuff but you're just like if anyone looks at this seaweed, they're 100% going to see me. So how does this count as hidden? Am I in it? Am I not? Like, are my feet sticking out? What does this mean? So, yeah, I think a, a stealth icon, I can see now how it was missed. I didn't miss it so much around the the long grass areas just because my controller vibrates when I step into the long grass. So I found that, like, enough for me to know if I was hidden or not. But it doesn't vibrate underwater. I think I might have turned that off because I turned off a lot of underwater settings because there's a lot of things the game tries to do that are, I think, edging towards trying to immerse you in the experience that I don't like. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, I um, I do miss the stealth icon. But as you said, when you're in the grass, you know you're in the grass. Like when I haven't gotten to the underwater stuff, but as you said, it's in the trailer. Like I, I fully expect us to, to get to a point where we are underwater. I mean, you're, I'm so excited for you to start doing underwater stuff. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I'll make a, I'm not going to finish the game this month. I want to set expectations now. Well, I'm not probably not going to be able to finish this month, but maybe April we'll be able to have a spoiler cast. I was, yeah, I was hoping to have it done by today because everyone keeps asking me which one's better, Forbidden West or Zero Dawn, and I can't make that determination until I finish mm. the final quest. And I think it was spoiled for me, and that makes me really sad, but at the same time, like, I took a long time with it. So, <laughs> like, I can't really fault people. And it's the kind of thing where, and this is why I've been so careful about choosing my words around this game because like somebody said something in my Twitch chat, which in and of itself, it's not like they came out and said, this is what happens. But I'm like, but if I think about what you just said for two seconds, I have a pretty good idea now how the story's going to end. And that sucks. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, I got, I think maybe I got spoiled. I hope I didn't, but maybe I did. So yeah, we'll huh. see. We'll see how it ends. So I kind of wanted to just get it over with now because I feel like I've been taking my time. It's the only time I'm going to have my first playthrough. Um, and I've, I mean, I've got, I forgot to check before the show, but the last time I looked, I think I was at 55 hours and that was a few play sessions ago. So um, I'm, I've definitely pushed the 60 hour mark in the game, I think. And, uh, and I'm almost level 50. So I'm like, I've done a lot of stuff and I am almost finished but I think I'm going to keep playing to 100% the game after I finish the main story. So at least there's that. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like a, it sounds like it's a great experience. I mean, for me, I'm I think I'm still at a point in the game where 
there was the major shift of like, oh, this is what's going on. This is the adventure. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, let's let's do the adventure. I'm enjoying it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not enjoying it. I'm enjoying the story. I'm enjoying all of it. But then like I hear, you know, you say like, oh, no, there's things that are going to happen. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It seems like we're just grabbing these things and bringing them back. And I, I don't think I've gotten – we. there's a certain thing we haven't talked about. We won't talk about it because mm-hmm. I feel like it is fun – to kind of, I made that realization as it was happening, and I'm like, "Oh, this is really cool." So that just popped back in my head again. It's been a while yeah. since I played, <laughs> so now I'm back on board. It's very exciting. I want to see where this goes, and and I will say too. Um, so I kind of didn't do the main quest line for quite a while at the point that you're at now. So you you get to the point where you establish your base, and then guy is like, "Hey, here's my three other things." And it really feels like you're going to go get those three things. And once you have them, that's going to be the end of the game. And all I'm going to say is it's not. That's only about halfway through the main quest line. So if you're holding off like I did, thinking that, you know, if you get those three things too quickly, it's going to make the game end quicker or like too quickly, I would say no. There's a lot more still to come after you do that. So okay, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to tell you how much. Or what you might see or do, just that that's not as close to the end as you might think it is. You're so um, right, though, because it feels as though... It feels like, yeah, I felt it too. It feels like you go get those three things and that's the end of the main story, and it's not at all. <laughs> okay, good yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. All right, well, then uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to it. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it again you know, in the near future. Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm I'm really looking forward to to talking to you and doing a full spoiler cast on it because I think there's a lot of interesting reveals in the game. Um, and I, I think there's only been one point so far where I've been like, oh my, where I've really wanted the quest to end. There's a main story quest that you do and I'm just like, I've, I've had enough of this. I don't like this. I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it did like, it didn't go on as long as I thought maybe it was going to, which was good. And then, like, once I got past it, things got good again. So, um, but yeah, like, I, I want I want to talk about those things because I feel like there's just so much to talk about here. I really, really love it so far. And uh, yeah, I want to give everybody my full impressions. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. Well, I will get back to it. Uh, even if it, even if it's a month from now. <laughs> it's hurry up, Ryan. God damn it. <laughs> Do you know anybody that I'm having flashbacks to uh, Mass Effect Three? <laughs> Where I'm like, I'm 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 literally at the last level. I'm talking to the weird AI kid and and trying to make my choice between red, green, and blue. And then I'll be there to record. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching the credits. Don't make me skip the credits. And um and I had to skip the credits because literally we're like we're recording this or I'm gonna do a solo podcast where I just talk about Mass Effect Three's <laughs> ending. Um, that was ten years ago, folks. Uh, I think that yeah. was, that was news on Twitter this the, this past week that. Uh, Mass Effect it's 3. It's been 10 years since, wow. That's crazy. Anyways, not to go down that rabbit hole. But yes, I will get back to it. I will at least text you, oh my God, this happened type stuff. And, and hopefully that. Well, you say feed. that, but you just said that you learned a thing and you didn't actually, I oh did, my though. God, me. So. I did. Oh, okay. So you haven't learned the next thing. Oh, I think that's when you take Ether back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's fine. Nothing. Fighting tongue. Fighting tongue. I will text get back you. To your base. 
by Text Saturday night. How's that sound <laughs> of of the next? Now that I know, I gotta take the glowy yeah, glass take, orb back. The story. Take the take the glass orb and don't break it when you're climbing the mountains. Jeez, and I fall um, off a lot of stuff. There's no way that thing's intact. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am not a graceful Aloy. <laughs> I mean, who is? No. <laughs> and you say that, but dude, that tweet that you put out of that recording oh, yeah. was like, you say you're not a graceful <laughs> Aloy, but I think that is the smoothest, like, cool girls don't look at explosions record. Like, it was so seamless. You were just like, bam, like, uh, dude, what is it called? Grappling hook and up in the air and then kapow with the arrow and then explosions. And just, I was like, wow, damn, uh, you're way better at this game than me. <laughs> that was um, so for those who, who didn't see it, it, it was it, it's probably one of oh, my you don't think that my explanation was good. No, 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 no that it was very good. I was just uh, it was one of those things where I was finding those bird things. That I think are new to the game, like they had the big bird. For, I think from there's the a lot of stuff one. that's new in terms of uh, new enemies to fight. That I mm -hmm. do really enjoy that. Yeah, and um, it's one of those things where they have the grappling hook, and then you can use the grappling hook either to like get on to perches and stuff, or you can launch off. So I was like, just I was like, you know what? If if they're flying, I'm flying. So I was just I was just flying up, and I just happened to have this line of sight as the bird is coming towards me, and I had the right weapon shows and it was a it was like one of those moments where i think that clip doesn't necessarily accurately represent how i play the game which is usually just like ah shoot shoot the glowy <laughs> bits you know but in this case i was like okay he has a green thing on his back i'm gonna use a poison arrow and i just happened to hit it and like me running away everyone's like oh cool aloy doesn't look at explosions like no ryan's panicking trying to find where the next machine is that's gonna come kill him so he's like moving the camera sporadically <laughs> Well, it looked really badass. Yeah. So congrats on your amazing kill because that was really cool. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing I really haven't figured out yet is like how to properly share stuff from my console. Oh, it works so uh, well. It, it, yeah. The, the PlayStation's, uh, I think the PlayStation does have the best implementation of like the share trim posts. Um, Xbox has it as well. And, 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 it, and it works, it works pretty much the same. But I just find that the PlayStation's UI is a lot snappier when it comes mm. to sharing. Um, but yeah, it uh, I basically set it up so that you can choose to share like a like a short clip, and you can choose what it what it what it saves basically anywhere from like thirty seconds to like thirty minutes. Um, and then I just try to gauge like, okay, how much time do I need to to clip this? And I think you have to set set up some of that stuff in the settings beforehand to basically like set up that buffer of like how much time you can go back in your recording. But right. for like Twitter posts, you know, if you set the maximum to five minutes, that's usually all you're going to want. You just want enough to go back and, and capture those small moments. And I've been sort of capturing um, conversations and pieces like that. But I'm also cognizant of like, spoilers like sometimes there's a fun interaction between you know two characters and i'm like oh would this be considered a spoiler like there was a really good bit where where aloy is talking to a, a specific um ai near the beginning of the game and there's some good stuff in there and i'm like ah eh, that's probably too spoilery for like the first couple of weeks you know like a moment that they probably people would like to experience on their own not not have it show up in their twitter feed but mm -hmm. um yeah no it's uh the share function for playstation 5 is really good
I'm going to have to look into it more and set it up then because I've got some really cool screenshots and stuff. And and I've actually more so than ever before in any game. Normally, I'm just like, oh, why do they make this? Um, I've actually been using photo mode. <laughs> There's every once in a while I'll get to a point in the game where I'm just like, damn, this is amazing. This looks beautiful. And then I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to screenshot this because why not? <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, both Horizon Forbidden West and PlayStation have really uh, stepped up their game in terms of uh, ways to share their content. So so if you haven't played a ton of Horizon Forbidden West, what have you spent your time in? Well, um, I haven't played a lot of this one either, but I have definitely scratched the surface and I'm playing. Um, uh, it's called Far Changing Sales. And it's on Xbox Game Pass. Yes, I know, Xbox Game Pass. Um, but you know what? It's such an amazing service, and, and, it, and it lets you play games that, uh, you know, right now you can play Guardians of the Galaxy, which is brand, like a brand new edition AAA game to, to Game Pass. Uh, but then you do have these day one indie titles that come out that I really appreciate. I think Nobody Saves the World was another one mm-hmm. that came out a couple weeks ago, or I guess at this stage a couple months ago. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was like a month and a half ago now, but it feels like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, uh, Far Changing Sales is a sequel to Far Loan Sales. And again, like it's probably a game that, based on the title, you might not remember but if you were to see a screenshot of it, it's got a very specific look and feel to it. It was a it's basically a side scrolling puzzle game where you are operating this huge machine that is basically allowing you to to traverse very uh, uh, catastrophic uh, landscapes. So in the in the first game, it was deserts and you had like a wind sail vehicle and it was like a Mm -hmm. real steampunky look it wasn't like you were just you know on a a raft with a wind sail that you were in this like giant sort of mechanism it looked like a a, 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 i know the sequel has a bit of a tube look to it a a modular tube um but in i think in the first one it was sort of the same deal but a little bit smaller uh but in the second one the sequel i don't think it's a direct sequel i think it's more of a sequel in terms of carrying on from the mechanics and the feel of the game and the puzzles. So in the sequel, you are uh, you are this you know this character that is um, trying to traverse this land. We don't know why, but we all we know that this character is trying to get from basically point A to point B, and to do so, um, everything's flooded. Uh, there's been this catastrophic world-ending flood that has basically uh, submerged you're the only survivor like as as i've gone through i think i've i've progressed through three or four sections um and i haven't met anybody else it's just me so we are we are trying to move uh, across this broken world that's interesting but like so lonely it is a that is a very good point and also how did only one person survive well i don't know <laughs> I mean, maybe that's maybe that's too big of a question. Maybe like <laughs> I did uh, just before we started recording, I did unlock like a, an achievement that was basically like you discovered the old ones or the the visages of the old ones, and it was like um, some some paintings or whatever as I was traversing. And I think there's more to the story than just um, you're you're kind of moving across this landscape. And and I think the first one had a similar tone to it, and that like why are we alone? Why is it just us? Um, Actually, it, it's kind of a very sad, and I don't know if, like, it's a sad, lonely game where you are alone and you're trying to traverse this world. I think the first one was was a little sadder because it starts with you, like, 
losing, you know, a, a parental figure who's basically like, no, take this, take this, uh, this, and and you know, use it to power the machine and and escape this blasted land. Um, there's no there's no voice acting. It's all just kind of like characters miming and moving uh, across the screen. But um, it is just this uh, slower paced puzzle game that just kind of like encourages you to just go at your own pace. Like there's no rush. There's no fuss. Although occasionally if you don't bring your sail, your mask down, it will bash off things and break, <laughs> and, you know, which is pretty, pretty, uh, it can be pretty nerve wracking as you're uh, working your way across this, you know, very choppy sea. And all of a sudden, like you're, you're at the next section of, of puzzles. And usually what happens when you get to the next section of puzzles is there's like things you got to jump on, which means if your mask not, not isn't down, you're like bashing into it and just comes crashing down. And uh, it, it doesn't punish you to a degree where you're like, oh, you, you lost. Like you don't lose. You just keep, you just have to solve the puzzles. Um, but there are these like repair blocks that you can get to kind of repair things. And I, I, again, I don't think you can lose. Like I'm, I'm not a very good sailor. Like my, my mast is usually up. And then if I run into things, it comes crashing down and... <laughs> I'm just bad at it, even though like I'm trying to survive the apocalypse here or what I assume is the apocalypse. And I'm just like, I got the last boat in existence, <laughs> just treating it like it's bumper cars. Um, so, yeah, that's that's not a good thing. But I think that uh, basically the gameplay loop of it is is just this sort of more laid back approach to puzzle games where it's, you know, part of the mechanics is you maintaining the the boat, I guess, in this case as you like sea of thieves are trying to capture the wind so at the start of the game you're bringing your mast up you're 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 climbing up to to the crow's nest you're grabbing the uh um this rope that will uh pull the pull the uh the mast up essentially and you kind of jump down from the crow's nest you hook it up to the bottom of the boat to kind of like hold the mast up and then you have to direct the the mast so that you can capture the wind at full speed and like the first game, it uses environmental tells to basically show you that you've got the mast in the proper section, similar to orientation. Sea of yeah, orientation, similar to Sea of Thieves, where it's like, you know, you're going straight because you've got the wheel uh, and it's it's lined up with the notch uh, on the uh, bow or not bow, but the yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, in this case, it's the same deal. Like you know that you have the mast at the right spot because the the flag that shows the wind direction is right at the, they use blue as the color to kind of denote like you're in the sweet spot. You you're know? doing it right. Exactly. Which is congratulations uh, is super duper awesome because honestly, like it is a game of tells where blue is the key color to look for. And as a puzzle game, like I appreciate that. It's like, okay, I know exactly from this screen what's interactable and that is a pretty strong tell of where you need to go next, but it's it is sat still satisfying to complete the puzzles. And as you progress through sort of the section of traversal where you're micromanaging like the sails and later on you get um, an engine block so that it has like these mechanical uh, uh, paddles essentially, um, which introduces another piece of maintenance where you have to like find rubbish to throw into the into the engine that then gets converted into energy um and you have to like uh micromanage um i don't know what you would call it but it's like a it kind of feels like a kiln where you're jumping on the thing to to push air into the engine to kind of make it burn faster combustion you know 
Um, so I was going to say, do you mean a furnace? Yeah, <laughs> a furnace, essentially, <laughs> that uh, burns things and makes energy. And like, all this might sound like, oh, that sounds like a lot of things that I need to kind of, you know, micromanage. It's spread out enough where it makes the traversal sections more interesting. It's not just you watching your boat move forward and slightly changing the sails. And I think like that's similar to Sea of Thieves. Like the filler for those sections in Sea of Thieves is you hanging out with your friends, right? So in this case, because it's a very like single player, very single player uh, puzzle game, that's what keeps those traversal moments interesting is as you're trying to keep your ship in tip top shape and then looking out into the horizon to make sure you're not going to hit anything. Uh, which I never do. I'm always too busy keeping the furnace running. And then I realize, oh, I'm running into something. Um, But like, as you traverse, you get to these sections that are puzzle sections, and you basically have to stop the boat. And usually, at least the first few sections has been, you've come to a point where there's something blocking you. It's either a gate or a piece of, uh, you know, old world machinery that's like landed in your path. And there's only one way through is basically to, to, to find something to move it, open it, or... Uh, get a, an item that allows you to kind of push it out of the way. And as you do these puzzle sections, you're unlocking new mechanics for your boat or you're, you're unlocking new mechanics for, um, for yourself as, as the player. And it just, it kind of goes like that. Like that's the flow. It's, it's, it is very predictable, but it's a nice sort of laid back. And again, it's, it sounds very lonely. It's cause it is, it's you alone on this like boat as you're trying to make your way across but there's there's something to it that just doesn't feel like completely lonely and lost. Like it, it does feel like the world is a bit of a character as well as you're trying to make your way through and you kind of feel like you want to know what what's happened here, you know? And if I recall the first game, I think you do get a little bit of information as to what happened and, and some closure at the end as you're as to why you were trying to to make it across and and why you're the only one with this giant boat even though there appears to be parts everywhere <laughs> that you keep using to upgrade your boat. So it, it does have a bit of that like Metroid feel to it too, as you're like, Oh, how am I going to get through this? It's like, Oh, of course I'm going to find the item to open this door to upgrade the boat and then continue to improve, improve upon that like traversal loop of like, I'll manage my sails, my, you know, my salvager and my, my furnace. So it's a it's a fun little game, and again, like it, it's it's very quickly paced in the sense that like you'll you can get in, do a chunk of it, hop out, and and come back to it. And I I don't think it's very long. I'm I'm sure I'm nearly like about halfway through, uh, the game now. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's and it's on Game Pass. So really, it's one of those things where it'd be. So why not try it? Yeah, it'd be a tough one to to recommend. Like, it's not for everyone, for sure. It is a puzzle game through and through, but, like, it's still... It's a very specific type of puzzle game. Like, I'd kind of put it closer to, like, a journey. I was just going to say, everything you're saying is really reminding me of Journey, except without the, like, co-op part, right? Yeah, so there's no co-op in this, but, like, it has that same feeling to journey like at least at least journey journey was one of those experiences where you would play co-op and it was so devastating when your co-op partner would just fade into nothingness you know like that that was the depressing part as you played that game at least in this like there's nobody you're not you're just playing the game there's no one to fade because everyone's already dead (laughs) i don't know (laughs) how is that better (laughs) it's not it's not it's not better but i think it's one of those things where 
Um, it has that same feel to Journey in that, like, there's something about this world that you just want to know more about it. You want to know what's happening. And the puzzles are fun. And they're not so complex that, like, you're going to be bashing your head against the wall on them. And, and, and again, as someone who has limited time to play games, it's it's nice to finish something. It's nice to achieve something. And, I mean, this has a... Yeah, get that sense of accomplishment. It's got a really good balance to it you know it, it doesn't feel like it's too difficult it doesn't feel like it's too easy it just feels like i'm playing a game and i'm progressing and i'm i'm enjoying the experience so yeah like uh, journey is a great comparison very cool uh so i also did spend some time outside of horizon forbidden west this last week uh because i loaded up steam to install the latest patch of dead by daylight and you guys know whenever you open up Steam, it pops up with that little window that's like, hey, here's what's new. And normally I'm just like, oh, get out of my face. But it went, hey, guess what's new? And it was Beholder 3, which you guys know I played Beholder 1 and 2 and quite enjoyed them. And uh, I didn't even know they were working on a 3. So, of course, I checked it out. And it, I think I ended up playing about five hours of it. And I, I think, and maybe it's just because, um, like, <laughs> I feel like Beholder has this way of making you reflect on yourself <laughs> and shows you things that maybe you don't want to know. Because <laughs> I feel like this time around, I think um, in Beholder 1, I lost a lot. I lost a lot. I lost quickly. Uh, it felt like it was super punishing. But I was trying to help people. In Beholder 3, I'm like, screw all y'all. I've had a bad week. I don't even care. I'm helping the great leader. I'm going to report on everyone. Screw you. And um, I haven't died yet. I'm super rich. And <laughs> I feel like a terrible person. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I feel like this is just like too easy. But I also really haven't tried to defy my handler yet <laughs> so i'm not sure if it actually is easy um i think there's a few different endings that you can get and what they've done in beholder 3 is they've kind of combined the ideas of beholder 1 and 2 because i'll be honest i never finished 2 and you don't have to play 1 and 2 in order to play 3 they're all set in the same world, but they all have different like protagonists. So the person that you play as is different every time. There's like no continuity there, but it is all based in the same totalitarian universe. And uh, so Beholder 1, I really enjoyed. Beholder 2, they took off in a totally different direction. Everything from like UI to what you were doing in the game, like it was all different. Um, the themes were still there. Like, so in Beholder 1, you were managing an apartment building and spying on your tenants. In Beholder 2, you actually worked at the ministry and you were spying on your coworkers. And they've smooshed that together in Beholder 3. And now you're doing both. So you manage an apartment building and also work at the ministry. And so neither one of those is as fleshed out as their standalone game, but they kind of work together. I know that doesn't really make sense, but I don't want to spoil too much stuff. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, I was trying to remember we were talking about this pre-show and I remember Beholder 1, remember really enjoying it and having it it was a smaller scope, you know. Yeah. It was basically like you had your apartment building and that was it. Yeah. And people would move in and move out and and you had to navigate 
the world of the totalitarian government and you had to kind of stay in line and pay attention to ever-changing laws. And then each like tenant that would move in, whether it was, you know, a single person or a husband and wife pair or a family or whatever, they would all have their own stories and needs and reasons why they needed to basically defy the government. And you had to decide who you wanted to help, who you weren't going to help and, you know, on and on and on. Mm hmm. I, I felt like one was more repeatable as well. Like it was more of like a, I don't want to use roguelite or whatever, but it felt like a repeatable. Yeah, it felt like there were more branching paths in one where there wasn't necessarily an overarching story. Like there was, but there wasn't. Like you could get an ending. You could follow like the longest path, I guess. Kind of like a choose your own adventure book, right? You can follow the longest path, but there's a whole bunch of different little endings depending on who you help and what you do and what you choose. And Beholder 2 didn't feel like that. Beholder 2 felt like a much more overarching, this is the story we want to tell. And it was kind of interspersed with like, if you fuck up, you're going to get arrested and that's the end and you have to like go back. Uh, this is similar. Uh, you can get game overs in mm. Beholder 3. I haven't gotten them yet, but some of your quests will say, uh, like, what happens if you fail? And it'll tell you, if you fail this quest, game over. So they're like, if not, then it'll say event. So, like, stuff will happen. Your story will move forward, but you won't necessarily, um, like, die. It won't finish your game. Um, and you can you can load up from saves and stuff, and you could do that in Beholder 1 as well. So you didn't have to go, like, all the way back. So it wasn't roguey. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This one is, it's so hard to put my finger on if I'm enjoying it or not. Um, because like I said, Beholder one was definitely my favorite and you do get to manage an apartment building in this one, but it's much smaller because like I said, it's a combination of both. Um, you also have, uh, it's kind of like the UI wise, you're like, you can look at both apartments and like the apartment and your office in the same sort of way. Right. And you get that same UI as in the first one where you could see like where everybody was standing based on where your cameras are and stuff like that. So they took that, but you can also do like the walking around and sneaking and, and like clicking on objects and searching them and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's like, I would say more like one than it was like two, but you do also have to work your way up the ministry like totem pole to get access to the higher floors and stuff. So it has elements of both. And I'm not sure because it doesn't feel punishing, like it feels like there's a very easy path to take. And I don't remember there being an easy, obvious path in Beholder 1 anyways. Hmm. So I'm not loving that part. Like, I feel like in Beholder 1, it felt like every choice I made was wrong, <laughs> which was also somehow then satisfying when I didn't immediately go to jail. <laughs> well, I think it was the puzzle of trying to traverse that yeah. world. And the second one felt like a more linear experience. Mm -hmm. But um, there were still fail points, but it felt more like, okay, like you get you get a lot of chances and really you're just trying to progress the story and i think when you failed it just set you back to a milestone um, yeah yeah so three's yeah three's the same um okay. like i say i haven't actually failed yet but yeah three's the same or i guess technically yeah i i did fail once i think um but that just made an event happen it wasn't a critical quest so 
It was more like a branching point, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so I think maybe Beholder 1 just had more failure points, so it felt more satisfying. Um, but, I mean, that being said, like I said, I haven't really helped too many people, so I've helped a couple people. Um, I've helped a couple of people, and I couldn't figure out how I was going to get caught, <laughs> I guess, for helping them. Whereas in Beholder 1, it really felt like everyone was watching me all of the time. And if I did anything and stepped one toe out of line, somebody was reporting me for something. But this one, it was like, I went and got illegal drugs and then went and gave them to, like, uh, I mean, so it was illegal drugs, but it was penicillin. Right. So I went and got penicillin because somebody had a sick kid and then I gave them the penicillin and nobody got mad at me. <laughs> it's like, OK, that was hmm. easy. <laughs> and I and I hate feeling like that. I hate feeling like, oh, that was easy. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm I think Beholder Beholder three is OK. If you liked Beholder two, you'll probably like three. If you were hoping it was going to be a departure from that and closer to what the first game was, then like, yeah, don't get your hopes up. But it's still kind of a cool universe. But again, and it might also hit pretty close to home right now. So it, it might not be what you're looking for. But um, yeah, it's interesting. Anyways, I'm glad they're still making stuff. But I think maybe they could stop now. It's <laughs> kind of how I feel. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, do go check out Beholder 1 because I feel like that was really interesting. It was almost like um, the parts of Frostpunk that I really liked, where it was like they put you in these like impossible situations and you had to make decisions anyways. Um, and, you know, that to me is some pretty interesting storytelling. So um, if you liked Frostpunk and those kind of moral dilemmas, then you'll probably like the first Beholder. But I don't know about two and three. Two and three are kind of meh. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I... Uh... I I I really liked one and I wanted to like oh, two. One more thing mm, that yeah. I totally forgot about. The screen tearing in this game makes it almost unplayable. Like it's so bad, Ryan, and there's no setting to change it. There's nothing you can do. It's just that the forums are full of like terrible, horrible performance problems and i've just kind of like because i wanted to see it i wanted to play it so i've just kind of i tried to like turn my brain off but the tearing like it's almost like the whole screen just tears in half anytime you move it's so bad yeah mm. that was yeah so the graphics are shit like really really bad there's a lot of problems <laughs> okay well maybe it's <laughs> I totally uh... forgot that, but that was, yeah that's actually very important because I kind of powered through it and I almost don't see it anymore, but it's really bad when you're like down in your apartment and like moving around and stuff. It's, it's really, really awful. Yeah. Well, I know there are ways to like force, uh, out of like V-Sync, I guess, through the NVIDIA settings. I, I've, it, it, if you have to do it, it's usually because the game is broken to some degree. So it sounds like mm -hmm. this is a, this is a bug, not a feature. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely bugged. Yeah, so I, I it sounds like it's best to wait on this one. I yeah, it, it really is, and I think it was on sale for uh, I want to say ooh maybe twenty percent off. I think in its first week um, because it only just came out this last week. So um, yeah, I think it was on sale on Steam for twenty percent off. But um, I yeah, I would wait because this I think will go on sale. And if you are kind of interested, I would wait until maybe the summer sale would probably be half off or more. Yeah. And if you do, I I guess there's a bundle you can complete too. So for folks like you and I, if you have... Oh yeah, I actually, I did buy the bundle, which yeah. technically the only thing I didn't own in the bundle was Beholder 3, but that got me an additional discount. 
yeah get an extra five percent it looks like so yeah i mean um i'll 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 definitely i've definitely added it to the wish list because i saw it pop up um that you were you know in steam that you were playing and i was like oh okay wow i did not realize this was out um but uh i'll have to i'll I'll definitely be checking it out around the summer sale i feel like that'll probably be a good time (laughs) yeah If you guys like the show that we are putting together for you today, do go over to patreon.com slash the gamers in like Wicked Kitten did, who is our March patron. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Again, if you like what Ryan and I are doing, go check out patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to the news this week. We've got a couple of little tidbits for you. So um, we did have the next Pokemon announced. So Scarlet and Violet are coming. Ryan, are you stoked? Wait, know. have you actually, good question. Have mm. you played the the one that just came out? Arcturus, whatever Arceus? it is. What, Arce- yeah, that one. I just call it Legends. And then yeah. uh, <laughs> and someone. In, yeah, the big open world Pokemon. Have you played that? I have not. Uh, you know, I struggled. Um, I think we were both waiting on the reviews of that one, right? And I do have, so my brother-in-law says it's really good. He thinks it's the best Pokemon. So... Well, That's about go. the only review that <laughs> but I did see a lot of people talking about it for like the first week that it was out. But then I feel like it was overshadowed by uh, Elden Ring and uh, Forbidden West to a lesser extent. So, yeah, I think it's one of those games that I'm like, here's the thing. It's a Nintendo game. It's never going to go on sale. And when it does, it'll be like a decade from now. So I have no problem waiting to check it out. And I think it's one of those games where I I will check it out when I, I, ha- I know I'm going to have time to jump into it as a big open world experience um that being said when some you know uh family were like well what do you want for your birthday i was like really struggling to to put together a list and and legends was one of those i put on there so we'll see what what comes but uh um i think that uh I, i'm excited that this announcement for scarlet and violet appear to be not abandoning this open world concept that they've that they've set up with arceus so it really, there was like a one or two, it, it, there was two chances of what was going to happen after Arceus. It was an experiment that they were just doing, but it was like a huge experiment. A lot of work went into that game. So to me, when I saw Arceus, like, oh, well, then this is what the next one will 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 be. It will pull from the work they've done in Arceus to kind of like build out a, a mainline Pokemon, which is what we're mm-hmm. getting. Um, Scarlet and Violet are, are technically Generation 9 They've shown off um, the three starter Pokemon. And there is one correct answer, by the way, as to what your starter Pokemon is going to be. <laughs> OK, wait, <laughs> let me guess. Is it the duck with hair? No, no it's no? not the duck. Oh, oh, Ryan, I'm so disappointed. That's what Twitter told me. <laughs> no, it's the grass cat. It's like um, the only time a grass Pokemon has ever been cute. Whoa. Bulbasaur here, just like what? Oh, Bulbasaur knows what it did. I mean, it evolves, is what it did, and it did not stay cute for long. Um, you could probably say that for all the the main starters. Although Charizard's pretty cool, I think the anime really helped him out. Um, <laughs> but what are we talking about? Oh yeah, starters. Yeah, I guess no. The 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 green cat. Actually, I personally think that these three starters. I think it's been a while since they've been all strong. I mean, like they, the fire they crocodile. Are, yeah, they are all, they're all pretty cute. Yeah, um, we obviously don't know what they evolve into, so they could. This could be a Venusaur mess where, uh, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> big anyways um i just i think that uh i'm excited that they're continuing with the main line i think when we saw this trailer it appears to be performing a lot better than uh arceus appeared to be i haven't played arceus but i know that first trailer we got was was um pretty rough in terms of performance although from the reviews i heard i i again haven't played it um i think it they did polish it up quite a bit before release but yeah like it's surprising um it really feels like 2022 is could be could shape up to be a very big year for nintendo with you know pokemon pokemon will hit their dates pokemon always hits their dates i, I think they yeah. rarely slip and i don't i don't even have a problem putting that out there because i don't even think like even me saying it out loud is going to change that <laughs> um but zelda zelda is is targeting 2022 you've got xenoblade you've got uh bayonetta 3 like it's it's a pretty big year for Nintendo, um, and they kind of have to have a big year because you've got the the current generation consoles kind of getting into their their swing of things with Horizon and um, God of War. I, I mean, Microsoft still just has Halo, but um, they're still going strong. But I think this is a this is a huge deal. Um, it's really nice to see Pokemon. Uh, I mean, there's always a Pokemon game. If there's a year, there's a Pokemon <laughs> game. So I'm glad we're back to a mainline game. I don't know if I'm going to get it, I, but I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for new Pokemon. You don't know if, if you're going to get it, but you're just excited that I it can exists. be, you know what? I Like, as someone who has, uh, like, I, I think I've, I've come around on this Jocelyn where, like, Elden Ring was one of those. I have limited time to play games, and I'm just, I'm excited when new stuff comes out, but I, you know... I, I mean, I'm excited, but not excited enough to buy it and then keep it in the shrink wrap and stare at it longingly like, oh, I'll get to you someday. <laughs> but Jocelyn said I have to save all these AIs first. So yeah, you do. So get on it. <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned God of War and we have some God of War news. Uh, there's a TV series adaptation that is kind of getting the side eye from Prime Video. So We've seen a lot of this lately is is all of these different streaming services are starting to pick up these video game franchises, I think, because Witcher did so freaking well. Um, and so as somebody who has played the God of War series, um, yay, nay, what's your take? Well, I mean, like our last story we talked about um, a few weeks ago when it came to video game adaptations it was Bioshock and Netflix. Mm hmm. And I think video game adaptations at streaming services, at big budget sort of cable networks, uh, you know, The Last of Us with HBO, um, you've got Halo coming oh, to right. I Plus. forgot about that. I forgot about Last of Us on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like everywhere. So HBO slash for us up here in Canada, it's Crave, um, Prime Video, obviously huge, Netflix, obviously huge. Um, have you seen the stuff that Prime Video has done? So like uh, Boys or Jack Ryan or um oh what else? oh the 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 timey wimey one um not dr wheel Who, of time the, the, wheel of time yeah wheel of time was that was the latest kind of big thing out of them yes do you uh, think they're on the level of the other guys i sometimes i think amazon struggles with their tv budgets i feel like they um still stick to and this is specifically speaking to wheel of time um as someone who's never read the books and 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 then watched like the I haven't finished the first season I watched the first half like it's 
it's mostly like from a effect standpoint it's mostly really good but i feel like they have this like cap budget where they do hit a wall sometimes with their effects and that makes mm. me a little worried about their lord of the rings series oh right yeah i forgot that they were doing that man there are so many things i feel like that are in the works right now that when they're first announced i'm like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna watch that and then years go by <laughs> yeah which that's kind of the thing right like all these announcements bioshock god of war everything like these are still years out right like they've been greenlit in a sense not ready to come to your a tv set near you yeah no i think god of war is like two or three years out if not if not more um and this is you know uh like i think a few years ago so a good example is a few years ago we talked about the fallout series being picked up by uh i think amazon um and they're they just you know they just cast uh walton goggins uh, in that in in that series, which I think is fantastic, I can't wait mm-hmm. to see it now. Uh, I, I was excited before, but you know, you attach Walton Walter or Walton Goggins, and you're good to go. Um, so I think that uh, I think it's exciting that all these streaming services are looking at these you know established IPs and throwing the budget behind it. I'm just I'm con- the only concern I have, and it's probably even not like a founded concern. It probably doesn't it shouldn't even count. But I just feel like Amazon isn't on the level of like. Netflix and HBO where they just they're they seem to be a little bit afraid of like well if we just spend like like 20 more million we can really you know nail this effect shot um I didn't get that sense from The Witcher uh you you did get that sense from you know Disney Plus and Book of Boba uh there were some moments where it felt like it was like man like your jetpack budget this is your low budget Star Wars isn't it (laughs) yeah like in but to a point where I think, again, like, I know these companies, even though they are, you know, uh, very wealthy companies, like, there is a finite amount of money they're going to spend on these products. Like, they can only spend a certain amount of money. Well, and God of War is one of those things where there are a lot of big, crazy visuals, right? Like, would the would the story still be served if they didn't kind of have those grand moments? Well... You know, this is the thing, like you look at uh, Wheel of Time, you look at Lord of the Rings, like those are big, bombastic fantasy stories with lots of things going on on screen. And I think that's where the seams start to show with these TV budgets. But God of War is a pretty like, if you tell a specific story, if you're looking at um, even if you're looking at like the the first games, I, I have a feeling they will go they will jump straight to the Norse uh, stories, because I feel like that's what people know. And that that is a more solitary story. Like there's two main characters and they're interacting with a couple other characters at the same time. You use the technology that's been introduced with, you know, the Mandalorian with the virtual sets and stuff. Like you don't need to go to New Zealand uh, or I can't remember where they shot Wheel of Time, but they have all these establishing shots. Like we need to make the fact that we shot this on location count. So drone shot every time we introduce a new scene, go. And I think God Award doesn't need that. They can kind of have their their vistas in there with a, like a like a like a, 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 a CGI sort of set, and just focus in on the characters. You know, get Jason mm. Momoa to play Kratos, and um, <laughs> uh, I'm in. Yeah, I don't know who you get to play Boy, but doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if you got Jason Momoa in there, I feel like he would he would be a good fit. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Like, has he gone to TV? Like, he seems to be sticking pretty close to movies. Oh, no, he did that C thing with with Apple. He did, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, Apple. There's Man, everybody has a freaking <laughs> streaming service right now. We have one. I don't know how much it costs, but we have one. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, we don't. We don't have one. Don't go. Look for I was that. like, Dude, wait, what? <laughs> no, we don't. It's a bad joke. We don't have. One. I thought you meant the Patreon audio feed for a second. I was like, I guess you could call it that. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, we we uh, we don't have any big budget uh, adaptations of of video games. Although we're we're trying to get. <laughs> no, I was trying to think of like a really like low budget video game thing we could get. We're trying to get uh, Pitfall, I guess, and but it's not working out. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to segue out of that into she said World of Warcraft. Yeah. Uh, into the new WoW expansion. But uh, we did find out uh, through a very unannouncement. We talked about this on Angry Chicken. So if you guys are into Hearthstone, go check out Angry Chicken because we did talk a little bit in depth on the announcement. Um, the, it looks like they've kind of rolled Hearthstone back into World of Warcraft because they made a big deal about like chopping off because it used to be Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft. And they made a big deal out of chopping that end tail off and saying we're just Hearthstone like and now the Hearthstone expansion launch got rolled into the announcement about the Warcraft expansion launch, um, which is happening in April. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know how much I want to talk about this because I feel like I'm just going to be nothing but negative. But um, Shadowlands has officially come to an end. Uh, there's still some story threads that need to get wrapped up that I think might be coming in like questing, um, possibly in the next patch. There's still um, 9.2.5, which is supposed to come out, which is the kind of bridge between current story in the next expansion i guess um but yeah it's been what a letdown i heard that i heard twitter yeah, talking about in, that like uh, in in so so many ways um it's just been such a disappointing expansion um and i don't know exactly what impacts like covid had on it and i know that there were a lot of choices made by story teams that were full of awful people in the past like five years that led into a lot of this storytelling, but man, um, Shadowlands could have been could have been really phenomenal and really fell flat on its face. Uh, the Jailer's one of the worst, if not the worst, villain we've ever had in Warcraft. Um, mostly just because they never explained um, what happened or what he did. <laughs> like he was always this, like, oh, he's so big and evil. He's way in the background. We can't even get close to him. But the byproduct of not being able to get close to him is we didn't know anything about him, so we didn't really care. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, a pretty big flop of an expansion, honestly. And, uh, yeah, so their new expansion reveal is um, April 19th, and it's probably going to be Dragon Island or whatever the hell they call it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, honestly. It's it's um, probably going to be the return of Rathion because basically for the last, like, three or four expansions, we've had, you know, end bosses who were like, but we have to do it my way because there's a bigger bad coming. And, and like Rathion has said that and Nizoth said that the jailers now said that. And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sakes, can you please just like tell me what's going on? Because when you spend like the better part of a decade telling people, oh, but a bigger bad's coming over the course of like four expansions, you better have one hell of a payoff and most of your players have already left. So mm. what the hell are you doing, Warcraft? <laughs> yeah, they're not giving people enough to keep them engaged and it's really, it's sad. Yeah, uh, I, I feel you on that. I, I know people have struggled with Warcraft. I mean, it's the first expansion that I never even uh, played and, and it was more just at the timing of it and the expense of it. I'll come back to it. 
And I think it, it just, it was, um, it was not well received, uh, and it, it never pulled me back in. And, and, and I don't think this expansion reveal is going to, is going to change that. I'll appreciate it from afar. I'll look forward to hearing conversations with friends uh, as to how they're experiencing it. Um, but I, it doesn't sound like a lot of people have high hopes, which honestly might work in it might work in favor. their favor yeah like they might come out and just say hey guess what um we're gonna do a whole bunch of dragon shit and we're gonna take a break from whatever this bigger probably failed story is that we're trying to tell it'll maybe be going on in the background but we're gonna give you some characters you can actually like interact with and and have some fun with so we'll see we'll see what happens but that announcement is april 19th i think the hearthstone announcement of their um new standard year and their new expansion is actually next week it's on the 15th so if you are into Hearthstone, uh, we will be deep diving into that next Tuesday on TAC. So go and check that out. Uh, and then finally, Ryan, you wanted to talk about Super Nintendo World. Uh, Let's end on a high note. <laughs> yeah, this looks so cool. So uh, obviously, Super Nintendo World is already opened in Japan. Um, I think at Universal Tokyo. Did it open? Because I was going to say, didn't it? wasn't it supposed to open basically right when the pandemic started? <laughs> it was supposed to open for the Tokyo Olympics. It, it, I, you know, here's the thing. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it did open and it's running right now. But I think it's one of those things where it, it can be kind of... Super low capacity, like all that kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. And it can be hard to hype up a... a a, a theme Everyone park. get excited, but only five of you come, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like it's it's been tough. Like we obviously um, everything's different across the world and how we're we're dealing with the pandemic. And I think like you look at we hear a lot about Disney World. Like that seems to be the one that everyone hears about, especially here in Canada, because a lot of people will will go to Disney World, the, mm -hmm. the Florida one, um, and they've been pretty much open. Uh, as far as I understand, like once they opened, they stayed open. Um, yeah. This uh, the Super Nintendo World, like they've been, they have been working on it for a while. So the fact that it is opening in 2023 at Universal Studios Hollywood. So this isn't the one, because I think there's a Universal Studios in, in Florida as well, or there's a Universal there is, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was the one I was yeah, hoping for. Yeah, that's where the Harry Potter thing, the Florida, Florida's where the Harry Potter thing is in Universal in Florida. Okay. Yeah, because I was hoping they were opening in Florida because I feel like, I feel like I'm more li like likely to go to Florida than Hollywood. Well, like and honestly, the Florida parks are generally better. Sorry, California, you are <laughs> beautiful and amazing for all the other reasons, but um, you don't have a lot of cheap real estate. There's a lot of cheap real estate in Florida, which means the parks can spread out and make bigger things. <laughs> so I think the uh, the experiences in Florida, I think, are better than the ones in California. California is just too small. <laughs> OK. And some people are saying like on Twitter that I guess Orlando was supposed to open first, but it sounds like L.A. just got their shit together. Fat. I, I don't know. I think the one in Florida is supposed to have more of a. Like it's like going to have like a Donkey Kong world or something. I, I, okay. I don't, I don't know. But there are plans for Florida and for California, but California is the one that's opening first in 2023. So are, do you think you're, I mean, Ryan, come on, you are like the Nintendo guy. You've mm -hmm. got to go, right? Like the, this is the, like first ever family vacation for everybody, right? <laughs> I feel, I feel like uh, our, and I could have this completely wrong, but I feel like my gut reaction to if we're going to, if we, so all of our kids are at a point where they're old enough that you got to basically like 
pay like pay for them all basically right yeah you know izzy is there's no freebies (laughs) there's no more freebies like izzy's like borderline she could probably like sit on people's laps but honestly they it probably wouldn't fly aside from flying it would be fine but you know once you get there you're paying for tickets (laughs) um but i feel like by the time we're ready to to make this trek i think we're looking at waiting until all of them are at an age where they're going to be able to enjoy it and or remember it to a remember certain degree. Remember it, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so we're looking probably in like four to, four to five years, which is good because honestly, it, it allows these places to uh, to build up these these new Nintendo World areas. And uh, you know, Caden and Abby both really enjoy Star Wars. You know, uh, they have, like Baby Yoda, that sort of stuff. So like, I think they'll be they'll be stoked to go to the Star Wars stuff, to the Disney stuff, of course. And by then, like Frozen Three will be out, so it'll be just a big. <laughs> it'll hit. be like Frozen Eighteen by then. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's always fun when you watch Frozen Two for like the hundredth time, and then you get that question: is like, when are they making a Frozen Three? Do you think they'll have like four, five, and six too? And I'm like, yeah, I think they're really hard movies to make. They they might not make another one. <laughs> there'll, there'll be a three. There'll be a three. Sorry, you know it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited. But you know, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not like you know, already starting to make plans. I think we'll, we'll go when, when the family's up to it and stuff, but I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like. That's been my favorite part so far is just to see them bring this world to life, just like they did with Harry Potter and, and star Wars and stuff. That's been a lot of fun. And usually it's the price tag that keeps me just happy to look at Twitter photos and stuff. (laughs) Oh, man, I feel like we need to start like a GoFundMe no. for Ryan to go to Super Nintendo World because that just sounds so sad. We will like, go, but like, <laughs> I don't think Super I'm Nintendo just World happy is going to see the photos of everyone else's vacations on Twitter. <laughs> Eeyore. Oh, man, no, like the, you hear the, the price tags it costs to go to these things. I remember a, a coworker of mine. Uh, she said, oh, did you want me to pick up anything at the park for your kids? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. And it was like. They were expensive, like stuffies. It was weird. It's like they they, they charge so much f- for everything there. And I, oh yeah, no, er, yeah, everything is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. You definitely pay a premium. It's like yeah, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to stay in the Disney hotels for a night. Like it's crazy, but uh, yeah. but it's I worth mean, it. If, if it's a once in a lifetime thing, I think it's worth it. Yeah. So we'll have to see what uh, what Super Nintendo World actually looks like when it opens up in Hollywood. We'll, we'll check all the Twitter <laughs> pictures. Yeah. And plan our trips for somewhere around twenty thirty. You you can like. <laughs> Next time BlizzCon's happening, it's like, isn't it right in the same area? Like, LA is... I don't think BlizzCon's ever happening. Oh, okay. Well... <laughs> well, I mean, so, okay, uh, side, another Blizzard Warcraft tangent, but um, they did hire for a new head of BlizzCon, because the old head of BlizzCon was married to Jay Allen Brack, who quit over all of the um, crazy, awful... Yeah. Uh, so... His wife was the one who was in charge of BlizzCon and she quit when he quit. And so they have now, I think, rehired someone in that position and they've put out other postings for different event coordinators and stuff like that for BlizzCon. They've basically they said um, they were canceling BlizzCon like for the foreseeable future. And I think the BlizzCon cancellation announcement came before the Microsoft acquisition news broke. Since the acquisition news is when these new job postings went up, but it's kind of unclear what's going to happen, which I feel like is just kind of an overarching statement for Activision Blizzard right now. But it's kind of unclear as to what's actually going to happen 
once they kind of get absorbed into Microsoft. They're supposed to still be a standalone studio, so maybe they will still do a BlizzCon, but I think it's um, possibly a pipe dream. <laughs> but yeah, because I don't, as far as I know, I don't think BlizzCon was ever particularly profitable for them. It was a pretty big production. And I think the only reason that they would break even or make a profit is because they used to work their employees to the bone, like 20 hour days for months heading into BlizzCon. And it was basically like they had to do their normal work and then another shift of like BlizzCon prep for no money. Mm. (laughs) So I think if assuming that with all the lawsuit stuff that's happened and like with all of the basically employees saying like, yeah, okay, we're done this whole like working for you because you're Blizzard thing like that. You don't have the um, like uh, social capital that you did 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, now you have to pay us. Um, And especially with Microsoft taking over, like I just don't really see that same BlizzCon overworked, you know, double shifts for no money kind of situations happening again. So, yeah, I and and that I think would make BlizzCon not profitable and therefore I can't see the company doing it. But who knows? I could be totally wrong. So we'll see. OK, well, you know what? But Yeah, uh, there might not be another BlizzCon was was where that was going. So if I if I do go to Super Mar- Super Nintendo World, Super Mario World, if I do go to Super Nintendo World. It will probably be specifically for that as opposed to going to another BlizzCon. I'm not even convinced they're going to have them. <laughs> well, at least we'll always have blizzcon line right nope that canceled too <laughs> oh yeah i know yeah well, at least we'll yep. always have twitter and uh yep. posting images of schedules right yep exactly right, exactly <laughs> so if you guys want to join the conversation and plan your trip to super nintendo world in 2030 you can head on over to our discord at bit.ly slash tgi discord you can also email the show at info at like ray did this week uh, Ray says, I came over to fill the gap that the instance left in my podcast feed. I've been a long list- long listener of Tack and already a fan of Joss. Just wanted to say, I never realized how much of a rock star Joss is in her own house when it comes to reviewing games. The flow you guys have is great and really feels like I just rediscovered an audio treasure trove. Looks like I got lots of catching up to do. I wanted to give thanks for the work you guys are doing. Thank you so much for the nice email, Ray. Um, you don't have to go back and listen to all 506 episodes other than this one. You can definitely skip the first, oh, I don't know, 400 or so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. Yeah, thank you, Ray, for for writing it. And, and um, if, you, if you subscribe to the show on any sort of uh well any if you subscribe to the rss feed on any uh, service itunes whatever you only have access to the last 300 episodes um (laughs) which i think is a good a good bar like that's the last six years so if you really did want to start from the beginning that's a that's a pretty good one but like i think if you beginning is so bad well i mean you skip the first couple hundred episodes it's uh, that is totally understandable and and probably a good place to start Uh, i think if you if you wanted to like, you know, dive back a bit, like, you know, um, looking at uh, a starting point of like, you know, this generation of consoles or maybe uh, the last year of the previous generation, just to, give, you know, give you an idea of of our our sort of past feelings on games and, and, and genres and that type. So um, but starting from this specific episode or last episode, that's totally fine, too. Like, I feel like it really depends on um, how far back you want to hear us talk yeah. about video games. The thing is, we're not going anywhere. I feel like Ryan and I are going to be doing this till we're 80. So (laughs) there will be plenty more in the future to come. You don't have to worry about that. 
Yes. And this is where Ryan tells me actually secretly he's done. (laughs) No, no, no. As long as Game Pass keeps going, we'll have plenty of stuff to play and check out. And the the game industry, I think, has changed a lot over the last 10 years. And I think something that uh, has also changed with the show is basically there's always a new video game to talk about. I remember when we started and even five years ago, like there were weeks where it's like, ah, I didn't I didn't play anything and I didn't see anything. And literally Mm -hmm. nothing came out this week. Well, I mean, there are multiple games that came out this week. Like, I don't know if you knew this, but a new Puzzle Quest came out just this past week on iOS and and Android. So, like, that was a thing that happened. There's a new game in Early Access that popped up that was uh, called Have a Good Death. And it looks, it's a a roguelike. It almost looks like Hollow Knight. I'm like, I kind of want to check that out. But at the same time, like, it's still in Early Access. Maybe I wait. But I feel like, you know... I remember when there was like the was it summer of games or something? I feel like it was like eight or nine years ago now where Mm -hmm. like the fact that they had like somebody put together like a curated list of like here's something some little indie title coming out each week in the summer. And isn't that so great? Because normally we have no games right now. Like that was such a big deal when it happened. And now I feel just like there's there's games everywhere all the time, which is great. But yeah, there's there's definitely always things to cover. And uh, yeah, it's a little overwhelming too. Um, Dead by Daylight got a new patch this week that I haven't even played or talked about yet because there's so much else going on. But uh, yeah, Girl from the Ring is a killer in DVD now. Yeah, I saw the Twitter was uh, was going on about how they they have the uh, the killer kind of like, well, do the, the thing. The jump in the scare movie. in the yeah. menu. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 no fun right there. <laughs> oh my god i thought that was so clever it's always super clever saw, like it's so good because like all of the killers when you're like doing their blood webs and picking their perks and you waiting for your cue and whatever they all have like idle animations where they kind of like stand and they show off their weapon and you know they do their big like Hoo-ah! powers or whatever that happens to be and she's just standing there with her hair all in her face and just kind of like kind of swaying back and forth. And then, you know, all of a sudden, if you're like if you're watching her closely enough, she kind of like straightens her back and it's like she notices that you're there. It's so freaking creepy. And then, of course, runs at the screen and does the jump scare. But um, yeah, like I, I feel like the setup is so brilliant because especially when you see um, trailers or like um, clips, sorry of streamers seeing it for the first time and freaking out like once you know what to look for you can see when it's coming and you're just like oh she's gonna do it she's gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) and yeah it's it's really good i think it was really well implemented i just wish you could turn them off because there's some uh killers that have really annoying like sound effects and uh when you're sitting in a five minute queue and same with her jump scare like it'll happen four or five times in your queue and you're just like okay i get it (laughs) so It'd be nice to turn them off. Sorry, I'm going to cough. Yeah, well, you know, at least they, they, they haven't patched in the dating sim, though, like from the news we talked yeah, about. Yeah, still still no dating sim. We're still waiting on that. So uh, we will keep you guys up to date on that news as it breaks, because I know that's what you're all waiting for. Where's my DVD dating sim? <laughs> but until then, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And don't, uh, don't forget, tune in next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.